He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This, this is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much and welcome in. It's hot outside, ladies and gentlemen. 95 on my thermometer in the car on the way in. But you didn't have to tell me, look at the thermometer. I could tell that when I walked out of the house to get in my car. It is a hot one out there. The good news is we're going to have a little cool down. And uh, that's going to begin tomorrow. And in fact, I think it will be up to 78 tomorrow. Uh, This morning was very nice out. Uh, it was in the upper 60s, but then the heat started to build. But uh, we got partly cloudy skies, uh, 95 degrees out there, so that's good. Um, the As you heard in the traffic report, uh, very, very uh, slow going out there. I think uh, there are a lot of people who are already headed to the hills on some getting out of town uh, for vacation this weekend after Mother's Day. Uh, and it's that time of year. There are a lot of people that go out and go on vacation this week because Labor Day begins the holiday season, and that's where Destin and all points in between fill up with thousands and thousands of people and little kids. <laughs> so if you're smart and you don't have little kids, uh, you go now. I just talked to a good friend of mine, Steve Bradshaw. He and his wife just got back from uh, Destin. Uh, and had a great trip. They were there for eight days, and uh, he said they they were only going to be there like uh, six, and they said, hey, man, we'll give you a couple more days for 150 bucks a day, and they said, well, that's a no-brainer. So they just want to keep the rooms, um, you know, booked up until the, the invading hordes um, arrive, and then it's, uh, well, you know what it's like. You've ever been down, you ever been at Captain Day's when they ring the bell? <laughs> oh, my God. That happened. We went there one time, and I wasn't familiar with it. And it was, gosh, Kathy and I were first married. It says almost forty years ago. And uh, you're sitting at your table when they had this big, like a skiff, a little boat uh, that they put all the catfish and hush puppies and stuff in. And uh, and they ring the bell, and I thought you just you politely get your plate, get up, go get get up there. It, it's like the Oklahoma land rush, man. They ring that bell. People shoving little kids out of the way—it's <laughs> awful. And they—they they always have this uh, flyover. Now they got a ship out there with a big uh, LED screen saying, "Come to Captain Dave's." <laughs> Not this guy. You literally have to fight for your food there, and then you, then you still got to pay for it. So, uh, but it's the beginning of the season, so <clears throat> that's the beach. Uh, this just in, Special Counsel John Durham concludes the FBI never should have launched follow, uh, full Trump-Russia probe. What a shocker. Special Counsel John Durham concluded that the FBI should never have launched the full investigation to connection between Donald Trump campaign and Russia during the 2016 election. According to a report compiled over three years by the Trump administration appointee and released just today, Durham's 300-plus page report also states that the FBI used raw, unanalyzed, and uncorroborated intelligence to launch the crossfire hurricane investigation of Trump and Russia, but used a different standard when weighing concerns about alleged election interference regarding Hillary Clinton's campaign. Ooh, whoa. 
Another shocker. The special counsel, however, did not recommend any new charges against individuals or wholesale changes about how the FBI handles politically charged investigations despite strongly criticizing the agency's behavior. Uh, Somebody asked uh, one of the people near the investigation, do they think that anybody like uh, that Peter Strzok and Strzok and his girlfriend and all these other people that made stuff up and said, hey, we've got our insurance policy in case what happens doesn't happen. Uh, nothing's going to happen to any of those people, just like that lowest learner with the IRS who got up there and lied about not singling out the conservatives. You know, now she wants to have all her court records sealed so that they, nobody can look at them anymore because it must uh, be impacting her getting another job. They're ruining my career. I don't know, you can work for the IRS and have any kind of a... Let's uh, go to, uh, as we all now know, Ja and the Grizzlies uh, GM. Just two, two weeks ago, we are talking about how they had learned their lesson. Uh, here's a cut of that, cut two. Uh, I just got to be better, you know, with my decision-making. Um, that's pretty much it, you know, off-the-court issues, you know, um, affected us as a, you know, uh, organization um, pretty much. So, yeah, just more discipline. Yeah, I mean, from... The point where, you know, everything kind of came to a head, you know, with Ja, there was some, you know, concerning behavior, you know, there certainly. And I, you know, I think Ja would be the first to say, you know, that it's an ongoing, you know, process, an ongoing, you know, uh, commitment to being the best player that he can be, the best leader that he can be, the best teammate, you know, that he can be. Um, I, I would give him all, I mean, we, we've been in lockstep, you know, with Ja from, you know, the morning, you know, that that hit of, you know, identifying, you know, this is this is a really significant issue. There's, you know, real concrete steps you're going to have to take, you know, to prove that, you know, you can, um, you know, t- take the, the, you know, steps forward with the team that you need to, that the NBA, you know, is going to want to see as well. Um, and he's, fall, you know, that again, as he said, like, it, it's going to be ongoing and, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be everything goes, you know, absolutely perfectly but i'm i'm proud of the steps that he's taken you know he's really committed to you know a healthier lifestyle and a healthier approach you know i think in a lot of ways that you know we saw you know yet again how effective he can be in the playoffs but i mean jaw's jaw's been locked in he's gonna you know i think it's a really important you know off season for him you know for him to continue to kind of build on this momentum at this point but um he's taken you know, the important, you know, feedback, you know, but he's taken it seriously, um, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the level that he, you know, he can get to that we all know, you know, he can get to uh, as we dive into next season. Uh, do we have a sound effects like screeching brakes as the momentum of jaw has been halted? <laughs> because as we all know now, he was uh, spotted once again this uh, weekend with a pistol in a car with some other delightful young men out frolicking about uh, somewhere in California. He's now been suspended indefinitely from the Grizzlies and the NBA. They ain't talking either. Uh, Doc Holliday, who is a local sports uh, guy, um, he was at 24. I think he's at uh, five now. I think he took Jarvis's place. Uh, he's uh, had a comment on this. Let's, uh, it's cut number three. So I wake up this morning. I give it, you know, my brother Jay Will uh, text me. Asked me, have I, you know, seen the John Morant video? I didn't know what he was talking about because I was just waking. So I look it up and Ja indeed caught again. 
flashing a gun on Instagram Live. Now, let me preface this and say, you know, there's nothing legal about having a gun. But when you're Ja and you're a role model, and we just had a situation with you like this a couple of months ago, there's no way in the world you should be seen flashing a gun. So how I feel about it, speechless. I don't have I don't have words to say. Speechless. I don't know what to say. But what I do know what to say, I'm gonna talk to all the young, and I'm talking to all the young black young royals out there, the young black boys, the young black men. Look, gun life. That ain't the life. It's nothing good about it. There's nothing flashy about it. There's nothing attractive about it. Nothing at all. I know what they produce. I know what they promote in rap. I don't like that kind of rap. It's destructive to, to our community. It's destructive to us because it causes a lot of us to go to prison and it causes a lot of us to go to jail. So what does that do? That increases our numbers. That causes dissension in our community. And it's time for us to speak, speak up and speak out against that kind of stuff. Now, ain't nothing, it's nothing, it's legal to have a gun. It's not illegal, unless you're a felon or something. But I'm extremely disappointed that Ja was caught once again flashing a gun. I have no words. And I can tell you this, athletes, star athletes have a warped reality. They get away with things, get away with things, get away with things. But a lot of times, you, it's going to come a point in time when you're not going to get away with those things anymore. I don't know, people that know me, they know. I grew up in inner city Memphis. I have six, count them six, close friends and family that went to prison for a gun charge. For mur no, for murder, for murder, not gun charge. That's a whole another number, for murder. One of my relatives died in prison. He was in there for double murder. The other five real close friends they did an average of 23 years in prison apiece. And I'm not making this up. There's nothing cool about gun violence. There's nothing cool about flashing guns, having guns. That's not it. When I was growing up, I grew up on Run DMC, LL Cool J, Houdini, Fat Boys, that kind of music. They weren't talking about that. But when NWA hit the scene, talking about gangs and guns, I was one of them young, ignorant ones who had a pistol as a teenager. And I was a football star. Because I thought it was cool. It's not cool. And yes, I'm extremely disappointed. I could go on and on, but I got to go ahead and get my hair cut. <laughs> but I had to address it. Thanks for sending that to me, Jay Will. But these are the kind of conversations we have in the barbershop with grown men. We have grown men discussions. <laughs> am I right? That's my brother. Man, am I right? Yeah. Kind of stuff. Cute. Cute. Done. Look done. These are the kind of conversations we have, man. So young black boys, it ain't cool to be flashing guns. The gun culture ain't what it's about. That ain't what we promote. We ain't with that. We got, we got grown men in here that's having, have, have lives, living life like you supposed to. That ain't it. So my message is, is mainly to the young black boys out there. Gun life, that stuff, ain't, that, 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 stuff that these rappers talking about is trash. We ain't with that. Very well said, Doc Holliday. Uh, tell them like it is. It ain't cool. And uh, the, the, the faster they get rid of rap, uh, the faster they can start to mend some of these bridges, get these kids on another track. We're going to take a quick break, then we'll be right back.
welcome back on a hot, hot, sunny day here in the Mid-South. Uh, some more stuff breaking. Uh, we told you about the um, about the uh, Durham report came out. He agreed with everything Trump was saying was going on, that there was no reason for it. It was all made up, and it took him three years to figure out, yeah, he was right. And uh, so what's going to happen to all those people that broke the law and bent rules and made stuff up and you know, probably uh, did as much to derail an election as you could possibly do. Oh, nothing. Nothing's going to happen. So so we'll just put that on the back burner. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Kamala Harris says Americans who open carry are extremists. Cut five. These extremists dare claim to be for life. But instead of acting to save lives from gun violence... Extremists, state by state, made it legal to open carry a gun without even a permit or background check. Not true. You can't buy a gun without a background check, young lady. And uh, as far as who's doing the shooting, I think if you look at the statistics, uh, people that uh, do own guns and bought them legally and carry them, uh, are probably the least uh, criminals there are out there. I mean, it's the, the numbers are so hugely uh, small that uh, uh, it's, it's minuscule. It's because people that buy guns for self-protection protect their family, and uh, even if they carry open, I don't advise anybody carrying open. It's, you know, it's just why let anybody uh, know that you're, you're armed, just, you know, the last thing you want to do is ever have to use your weapon. I promise you. There are only three things. It's like the Ford Pass. Only three things can happen, and two of them are bad. And that's sort of the way it is with a handgun. That's an absolute last resort. I mean, you run before you have to use your gun. And uh, but that's just total bull. She didn't know what she's talking about, but then when has she? Then this other one comes out that says that, uh, uh, where is it? Uh, uh, well, no, that's what it, uh, Kabbalah is one of her aides, and they may have seen that in another article, is now the head of the Communist Party there in New York. <laughs> that's the kind of woman we're talking about right there. Um, uh, oh, this is pretty good. Comer, who is uh, the Republican leading the oversight committee into the Biden family business, um, and there are all these whistleblowers that have come forward. Apparently, some of them are missing. Uh, cut four. Did you just say that the whistleblower or the informant is now missing? Well, we, we're hopeful that we can find the informant. Now, remember, these informants are, are kind of in the, the spy business. So uh, they don't make a habit of uh, being seen a lot or, or being high profile or anything like that. Uh, we have basic information with respect to what the informant has alleged, and it's very serious. It alleges uh, that Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was involved in a quid pro quo with a foreign country uh, in exchange for, for foreign aid. This is a very serious accusation. All the FBI has to do is say, yeah, we looked into it and, and it, it wasn't a credible informant. Are, but they won't answer our questions. Are there whistleblowers or informants missing right now? 
Well, with, with, with what we've investigated and the people that we've tracked down, uh, going back to the CEFC, uh, the two main players in that business, as well as all the Americans that were involved in the uh, different Biden uh, influence peddling schemes, as well as the Serbian national, uh, the nine of the 10 people uh, that we've identified that have very good knowledge with respect to the Bidens, they're, they're one of three things. Maria, they're either currently in court, they're currently in jail, or they're currently missing. <laughs> well, that doesn't say too much for the whistleblowers. I mean, it's, that's not like a healthy proposition. Uh, and then uh, there's one other cut I wanted to go. This is a cut with Obama saying gun ownership is a growing ideological and partisan issue. Cut 12. Look, I think somehow, and, and there are a lot of historical reasons for this. Uh, gun ownership in this country uh, became a ideological issue mm-hmm. and a partisan issue in ways that it shouldn't be. It has become sort of a proxy for arguments about our culture wars, you know, urban versus rural. Uh, race is always an element in these issues. Uh, issues of, you know, of our, class, uh, of class and, and, and education and so forth. And so instead of just taking a very practical approach, like we do, let's say, for example, with car safety, right. where we say, all right, we got a bunch of accidents, let's have seatbelts. Let's, let, let's, <laughs> let's make cars safer. Let's make cars safer and let's engineer roads so that we prevent them. Instead of thinking about it in a very pragmatic way, we end up really arguing about identity and emotion and all kinds of stuff that does not have to do with keeping our children safe. And we'll be right back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much. Joining me in studio right now is Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau. Randy Hutchison is in Chicago at a meeting and disarming everybody up there. <laughs> He'll have his hands full. Uh, but uh, uh, Daniel's in studio. We're going to be talking about a, a, a huge problem, and that's uh, senior citizens uh, being defrauded. Yeah, yeah. Senior scams, falling yeah. for scams and, and all tor- sorts of fraud. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a major issue. In fact, um, you know, uh, more than 92,000 seniors reported losing over $1.7 billion, with a B, dollars to scams in 2020, a 74% increase um, over 2021 and a 400, uh, uh, 400 uh, over 2017. More than 3,000 of them lost $100,000 or more. And we don't have all the numbers in for 2022 yet, but the numbers for 2022 are going to be much higher. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem. What is the the basic problem? Is it they they're too trusting? Is it that they they're afraid to report that something might be fishy? Well, I I think it's it's both. Uh, some of the common scams, uh, you know, uh, specifically that target seniors are uh, what we call the grandparent scam, which is when a loved uh, one, usually a grandchild, uh, is in trouble and needs money. Right. Uh, another one's the government impersonation scams. Uh, the IRS, uh, Social Security Administration, uh, the Border Patrols, and a new one that we've seen. Um, you know, tech support scams, romance scams are big with seniors. Investment fraud, uh, that's a big one uh, that targets seniors a lot. So uh, a lot of times the seniors are targeted with scams um, 
because again, they're seniors. Um, they may have accumulated substantial assets, right? Uh, at least the scammers think so. They think that that seniors have more money or at least have access to money uh, more so than, than other populations. Uh, or uh, they're struggling to get by on a fixed income, right? And so they may be uh, susceptible to a to a quick money grab, um, you know, so, so the scammers think that. Um, or uh, they may be suffering from effects of aging or have health problems. Uh, they may be lonely, uh, making them vulnerable to a scammer who seems friendly, right? So, yeah, all of the above, really. Yeah, which is probably why I get all these uh, friend requests for these young girls living in China and places. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I wonder why she wants to be my friend. Right. But well, you they know, think you're lonely, Earl. They think you're lonely. No, they look at my icon pic and they go, this is an old geezer. He probably have half of his mind is gone, and I can probably uh, make him think I like him for his. And they'll say things, I really, your posts are so interesting. I would love to get to know you. I go, ain't going to happen, sweetheart. But, you know, underreporting is a big issue. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, because of the shame factor, right? Uh, a, a lot of times, scams in general, but specifically with with uh, elder scams, um, you know, they don't get reported. So, so they want really... to tell their children and stuff because they're afraid. You know, they're going to say, "Well, I'm taking your money away from right. you." Right. Well, well, there's 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 the fear that they'll lose their independence. Yeah. So that they they don't tell anybody, they don't report it. So it's really much a much bigger problem uh, than than we realize. Well, I got a call not long ago from um, a. Uh, guy that said he was with the Chattanooga Police Department, and they had some papers on me uh, from a district attorney out of Illinois, uh, but that we could handle this uh, over the phone, uh, or we can go ahead and just have the Memphis PD pick you up. And I said, well, look, I'll tell you what, I should make you aware that I'm uh, formerly with the Shelby County Sheriff's Department, and I, why don't you go ahead and send the police on over? In fact, uh, if you got a home address, we'll come get you. <laughs> and then he called me a, a very dirty name and hung up, which I've never had him ever say anything back to me when you call him. Usually they just hang up. Yeah. And he, he, But he sounded very authentic. He said, Mr. Farrell, we're going to have to come get you. Said, really? Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, come on down. Uh, but in, in my, a lot of elderly people, uh, are, that's law-abiding citizen. Is right. th- their picture is in the dictionary next to that. They wouldn't do anything to break the law, to cheat anybody, to do anything. And so when these people call them up and tell them, we're going to come get you, it literally scares them to death. It does. And and that's why, you know, those type of scams are targeting seniors, but that's why they fall for it a lot more than, than, than a lot, you know, other people. Again, because they don't want to be known as someone who breaks the law. They, they respect the rule of law. And so, you know, it, it can be very hard for them when they have someone on the phone telling them, hey, look, you're about to be arrested, but all we got to do is settle this, you know, right now. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't they don't want to they 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 may know that it's not real, but they they don't want to take that chance. Right. They they see the red flag, but it, it, they don't want to take that chance. And so a lot of times they'll actually pay the money just in case it, it's real, even though they know it's not. Well, and I know people that are older that uh, they'll get a call from somebody and they'll say, we're going to help you with this, but I need you to go ahead and get your driver's license and your checking book because uh, we're going to straighten this problem out for you. And they think just if you're if you speak kindly to them and they're, they said, I'm going to walk you through this whole thing. And they don't even go get somebody who's home to say, hey, th- this person wants me to do this. They just think somebody's trying to help them. So, yeah, well, so, so I guess do you get your, your folks who are older and say, let's sit down and talk about some of this stuff? I think that's that's really important because, you know, a lot of times when we have seniors that have, have come to us and they've told us about a scam, we'll ask them, you know, well, why why did you, you know, we, we try to debrief, you know, and, yeah. and try to figure out what what's going on. And one of the, the main 
things we hear when someone's falling for a scam is that, well, they took the time to talk to me. They checked on me. I was lonely. Yeah. You know, so, so a lot of these scammers, they're not just calling you once. They're in it for the long haul. They'll call multiple times a day. They'll stay on the phone with that person. They'll ask them about their day. They'll ask them about their grandkids. They'll establish that trust before they ever, you know, go forward with the con and try to ask them about money, right? So they're establishing that trust. So we always tell people, if you're not checking in on your on your grandparents, if you're not checking in on your loved ones, someone else is, yeah, you, you know? So you, you've got to be there. You've got to be a presence in their life in order so you can see the red flags that they may not be able to. Because again, loneliness can really do things to your mind. And so, you know, that's, that's a factor a lot of times in senior scams. Well, and even uh, these friend requests, because uh, somebody just sent me a message today, said they got a, we we're already friends, so they got a friend request. And what they're trying to do there is get a dialogue going with you. You think, well, we're already friends. Right. So what I always do is I said, oh, really? Uh, where did we meet? Just to refresh my memory. And they don't respond. Right. Because there's no way they can respond. Because to, they don't uh, know. It's a direct question. Yeah. I mean, there are other ways you can sit there and go, is this really you? Well, they say, yes, it is really me. Yeah. And, and you know, so, so social media scams in general are one where we see a lot of, uh, when seniors fall for it, they lose money. The other thing with the telephone scams is, uh, you know, you can't trust caller ID. You know, yeah. we, we always are saying, you know, it can be spoofed, but a prime example, you know, um, I, I, I recently have, have had some, some health issues. And so I've been at, at the Baptist hospital quite a bit. Had a lot of different, uh, you know, a lot of different doctor's appointments. So it's not uncommon for me to get a phone call and it say Baptist Hospital on it, right? right? From a doctor or whatever. Well, the other day I got one that said Baptist Hospital on it and it wasn't Baptist Hospital. It was a scammer, right? So, you know, it, it can be hard if, if, if you... If you see something show up on your screen, right? It, hard and, not you to know, react. Yeah. yeah, it's hard not to react, especially if you're expecting, you know, a call from, from a doctor and it pulls up. So... You know, you, you can get sideways really quickly and not even know that you have. And see, I get calls from all over the country, people I book on the show. Yeah. And so they'll call me back. What I do is I just don't answer any calls. I let it go to voicemail. Right. And then and, you can make the decision to call them and, back. And if they don't leave a voicemail, then I did, it was a scam. But what did you do with the people trying to scam you from the hospital? Well, I just hung up because, I mean, it, it clearly wasn't anybody from the hospital. Yeah. But for whatever reason, they, I, you know, they, they, Randy, just, they just said they were with the hospital. But it, it, it turned out it was something completely different. Because your boss, Randy, he likes to play with them. He, he tells me all the time, I got, I really drug him out for a ways. <laughs> yeah. Rand, and I'll play with them every now and then, but I've gotten on so many lists over the years. It's almost <laughs> not even, you know, it's it's not even worth it really anymore um, to, to play with them. But, uh, you know, it, and, and I want to make that point, right? It, it may sound therapeutic to cuss out the scammer when they call you. They just pass your name around even yeah, more. It, you get put on a list. Yeah. Every time you answer the phone to a scammer, they turn around, they sell your number. They know it's a live number. So they turn around, they sell it. And they sell it to another scammer who's then going to call you. And then when you answer it, it's just a never-ending cycle. And what happens sometimes when you actually play with a scammer that way is they can be pretty vindictive. Because keep in mind, they're using an Mm auto-dialer, right? They're not physically dialing the phone with their phone. It's all computerized. So if you're not careful, you'll get 50, 60, 70 calls in the middle of the night just on repeat. You know, So, I mean, they can be pretty vindictive. We tell people if you didn't initiate contact, don't engage, and it, it really isn't worth playing with the scammers because you're just going to get more calls, and it's just going to make it more of a hassle. We're talking with Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and we'll talk some more about what you can do to uh, help with the problem. I do see a lot of times I'm getting could be a, a scam uh, uh, a scam call or yeah scam likely yeah scam likely yeah. yeah so we'll talk about that when we come back 
And welcome back. With me in studio right now is Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau. And we're talking about elder fraud. And it is a huge billion-dollar problem out there. It is. And, in fact, while we were in the break, I got a call from Whiteville, Tennessee, that is nobody I know. So they're probably listening to the show right now. Let's gig him. Let's see if we can get in there. <laughs> but it, um, there's a lot of things you can do to... To solve the problem, and number one is uh, if you don't know who it is that's calling and it, it doesn't have a name by it, then that's not one of your friends. That's correct, yeah. Be cautious of unsolicited phone calls, mailings, door-to-door offers, uh, social media requests, right? If you didn't initiate contact, don't engage. You just you have to be really, really careful. And then make sure, uh, you know, if, if you do happen to answer the phone or you do happen to answer the door or one of those unsolicited messages, Resist the pressure to act quickly, right? Scammers try mm-hmm. to isolate you and make you make a quick decision. So, you know, if, if you're being pressured to make a, a, a decision right there on the phone and you can't think about it, that's a huge red flag and a time to walk away. Uh, never provide personally identifiable information or, get, or send money via wire transfer or gift cards to somebody unverified, right? If you don't know them, you don't really need to be sending money that way anyway, but especially if you don't know who it is. Um, you know, and, and uh, make sure that um, your, your, your antivirus and security software up to date on your, on your computers. Um, be careful what you download. Um, you know, I would never recommend anybody downloading anything or opening any attachment uh, to someone they don't personally know. Uh, you want to make sure you verify everything. And then also consider putting a freeze on your credit report uh, from one of the bureaus, even if you haven't been victimized by fraud yet, especially if you're not planning on Opening, you know, if you're if you're a senior and you're not going to be using your credit, you know, anytime soon, if you're not opening up any new accounts, go ahead and put a freeze on it. You can always unfreeze it when you need to, but yeah. you know, don't take the chance. Yeah, because it's uh, what you're really doing is saying I'm not going to buy a house, a car, or right. get a new credit card for at least the next six, seven, eight months, maybe a year. Right. And so, why leave yourself open? Right. And what that does, and you got plenty of time if you're going to do something, you need to, to go open it up again. How would you take a couple of days to get it back up and running? Not, not even that, right? Yeah. So especially the older you are, if you know you're not going to be making a big purchase, or if you know you're you're not going to be buying a house or a car or anything like that, right? Why, why even risk it? Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, I saw a report on uh, one of the TV stations this morning on the, this job application scam, where they uh, put an ad up and say, you know. Uh, apply for this job turned out it was a fake it was a real address but it was some kind of little shop or something he didn't know anything about it and uh but people were filling out the applications and it has all kinds of background information which they can then take and open up credit cards and all kinds of stuff yeah uh, you know ph- phony job offers job scams in general they're w- always one of the top scams we see um and what makes them credible is the fact that uh usually they use major uh like indeed.com or monster.com what people don't realize about those third-party sites is anybody can post a job on those sites. They're not vetted, so I could put a job. I could I could post a job right now on there, and then you know you you message me, and then I'm I say yeah, it's a job. Uh, go ahead and fill out this application. So I send you a phony job application. On that application is your social security number, wow. your your address, all that stuff. So yeah, you just have to. You, even even when it comes to third-party vendors, you have to be really really careful and know. Indeed, in those places, don't vet everything that's coming through. Anybody can pay money to have a job uh, listed on those services. And I guess you really never should give out your Social Security to anybody unless you're actually there in their building and it's you're going to work for them and you're doing your paperwork there. But 
for, for an application, you should never give up your, your, your bank accounts or anything. I would, I would always caution somebody never to give their social security number out unless they're just a hundred percent sure. And, you know, I, I, we've actually had people call up to the BBB and ask for advice on, you know, I, there was a, a situation a couple of weeks ago where I spoke to somebody and they said that they were trying to apply for a job and it was an automated thing. It was online and it wouldn't let them continue through without putting the number, a, a number in there. And wow. I was like, well, I just put one, 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 just to get through the next, you know, just to get through. And then you can send an email or something saying, Hey, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. Yeah, I'm not and if, and if it's a company that's going to require that, then, you know, you have to make a decision. Is it even worth it? Right. Because I, it's just, it's just this day and time. You just can't trust, especially anything on the internet. You just got to be really careful with your personal information. Here's how things have changed. When I was in college, that's how you found out what your grades were. Every class posted your uh, list on the outside of the classroom door, what everybody's test grades were. And you just looked up your social security number and there it was. Yeah. Well, here was everybody in that classroom. Well, social security so, number. so it's, it's funny you say that, you know, that used to be how we, uh, people identified who they were. I mean, we get people that, that, call up to the BBB now, usually it's elderly people, but they'll call and before they even say anything, they'll tell me their name, their address, and they'll start to try to tell me their social security numbers. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa no, no, no. I don't need any of that. Like you, you, yeah. we don't, I don't you know. No. Yeah, <laughs> In no. fact, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be telling anybody your social security number. So yeah, we have to get out of that mindset. Uh, the other thing this time of year, everybody's getting ready to start going on vacation and uh, going to get uh, their cars, uh, service to oil changes, that kind of stuff. And, there are a lot of really good people out there, but I do think uh, we should tell them that that is one industry that they get you in there to go for an oil change. All of a sudden, they find all these other yeah. things wrong. What do you tell people about that? Well, do your research on the dealership or on the car place before you go. Uh, you know, if you don't want to use the BBB, you can always call us. You can you can go to our website. You can look see what the rating is. You can read their reviews. You can read their complaints. But know where you're going before you go. Know how they do business read reviews, you know, but, but I would, I would do research before you take your car somewhere. Um, you know, because again, you, there are a lot of dishonest places out there, but there are also a lot of honest shops there out are, there too. Uh, you just have to hunt for them. Uh, a case in point, uh, a friend of mine went to get his car service before they go out of town on vacation and, uh, they went in and changed the cabin filter, which is usually in the glove box of your car. And they pulled it out and put a new one in. And as he drove off, it sounded like a Harley Davidson inside <laughs> his dashboard. So he called the mechanic that usually works on it. And he said, what do you think it is? He said, I don't have time to look at it right now, but I'll tell you what I think it probably is. Is they, is they pull that out, a leaf or something got caught up into the fan that's in there. And it's like, remember when you put a cards in your spokes or your bicycle with yeah. your kid? That's, that's what was going on. So he went back to his house, opened his glove box, pulled the little door off, pulled the, the new filter out, and sure enough, looked at the flashlight, there was a big leaf in there, pulled it out, no problem at all. But they could have come back in and they said, no, you need a new fan. In fact, that's what they probably told me. I think yeah. your fan's probably going out, and that yeah. was going to be several hundred dollars. Well, you know, how are you going to know? Well, that's why you can always go to BBB.org. You can type in the name of a business. You can see what the rating is. If they have complaints, you can read them. You can read reviews. Our reviews are vetted. It's the difference between BBB reviews and Google reviews. We actually make sure you're a customer when you leave a, a review, positive or negative. So you can trust those reviews. Daniel Irwin. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. 
He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere, a radio and TV veteran, former restaurateur, and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell, and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. And now, here's your host, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back in studio with the two ladies of done some work together for many years now and it's one of the things i've always enjoyed it started off uh, a number of years ago cooper young uh, garden walk which would last two days mm-hmm. and they have now it is now called the largest garden walk in the south six weeks of garden tours and it's uh, it includes the whole city and uh kim halliak and sharon johnson both in the studio with me and kim you, this is you were the founder of this many years ago. What was it that made you say we need to do it in the first place and, and actually talk people in Memphis and let people in your yard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw the biggest garden walk in the U.S. in Buffalo, New York. They had 440 gardens, and 65,000 people were walking around looking at gardens wow. in one weekend. And it brought in close to $5 million. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is how you clean up a city. You invite homeowners to start fixing up their yards and open it up to the tourist. And it just took off. And I thought if they can do it there, why can't we do it here? So 150 inspiring gardens throughout the city, public and private gardens, urban farms, uh, aquaponics. Yes. What is it? Aqua? Is that a pond? It is growing food in water. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've had, yes. I've had done stories on that. Uh, booths, speakers, vendors, uh, native plantings, uh, garden hat contest. What's, oh, garden hat would be what you wear when you garden. Exactly. Okay. And we've got some great prizes for some great-looking hats. Flower, edibles, natives, chickens, bees, water features, diverse, unique neighborhoods, trendy shops, galleries, Johnny Cash statue, which I happen to know where that is. I was <laughs> there when it was dedicated. Bagbeat Tour Shuttle, which I think is one of the best tour lines in Memphis. Uh, so a lot going on. It's going to be May 20th through July the 2nd. And so uh, it's cranking up this weekend. It is cranking up this weekend in Cooper Young. And we will have 100 gardens on tour both days. And then it does go through July 2nd, but it's only on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So don't show up at somebody's house <laughs> unless their neighborhood is on the tour that day. Every day is a different neighborhood. Well, you would love to catch them out working in the yard, you know, because they've got to do that sometime. Uh, how long have you been involved in it? Since day one, Kim made a post on Nextdoor right after she retires as a school teacher. She says, you know, I need something to do. Let's start a garden club. Well, silly me, I show up for the first meeting, and now I've been president of the garden club for four years, is mm-hmm. it, Kim? yes. I started out as just a back person. Now I'm in the lead. <laughs> it reminds me of remember on uh, on the Andy Griffith show when they decided to, to get the old uh, gazebo or the bandstand going again. Yes, and uh, they all say, "Well, it can't be that big a deal." <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, everybody's in town having to work on it. And, mm-hmm. But it really does get people involved, and I think that was your whole purpose is to get people back involved. And we were talking before we came on uh, about when I first moved here in 1978. Memphis was a beautiful city. I mean, it was every part you went to. It didn't matter what part it was, whether it was, you know, 
South Memphis, North Memphis, uh, Orange Mount, everybody took care of their yards mm-hmm. and took great pride in it. And the streets are clean. And then things happen, things change, just like everywhere. But uh, it really does, there's still people that still care very much. And in covering news, I would go into neighborhoods that were, were tough neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But then you still saw houses, the lawns were perfect. Yes. Shrubs and flowers and gardens and you know, and I tell I would tell those people somebody moves in your neighborhood does not take care of it. Call the cops, call the mm-hmm. uh, call the code enforcement, and bug them until they either move or start getting with the program. And yeah. it works. It works. And you know, we we have 22 neighborhoods that are going to be on the walk this year. Um, and I say that gardeners are the ones who make our city beautiful. They work on their front yards. They work on their backyards. And what we have found is by being on the walk, when you have hundreds of people walking through your yard, ooing and aahing, we had people come from Iowa and California and Pennsylvania last year to see our gardens. Well, we live in a jungle. I mean, for growing things, there couldn't be a better place in the world than Memphis. I mean, you have to actively keep the jungle back. You do, (laughs) yes. I mean, you're out there with machetes. and it's, It's like you're hacking your way through South Africa. And but it it is so conducive to growing things mm-hmm. because of the humidity and the amount of rainfall we have here that it's some incredible things. I mean, you go to people's backyards, you go, I had no idea this was here. Exactly, and they're hidden because usually they're in the backyard. Exactly, and there we have pools. We have a pickleball court that's going to be on the tour. We have um, chickens and bees and she sheds and he sheds, and people are going to get so many creative ideas. People are going to go home and say, oh, my gosh, I can do that in my yard. Which is what we do. We all steal mm-hmm. ideas from each other. Exactly. I'm going to steal that idea when I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal it right now. <laughs> uh, you're going to be speaking someplace this week. Uh, where are you going to be? I am. I will be at the Dixon Gallery on Wednesday at 12 noon for Lunch and Learn. And it will be a talk on sneak peek of gardens that will be on the tour all across the city. The uh, Dixon Gallery and Gardens, by the way, if you've never been there, you're missing such a treasure of Memphis. Uh, it, it will discourage you because you'll go there and you see how good it can look. And <laughs> say, how do I get something like that? You know, if you get two tulips, that's a deal, you know. But uh, their tulips gardens are just mm-hmm. always amazing. Everything about the place is amazing. It was a real blessing that they left that to the city and what they've done with it. I mean, they've got uh, some incredible art that, and continuous uh, art exhibits that, and, and people may not know, but it's free. It, yeah. Yeah, right now it's free. Yeah. And you can also have, I've been to dinner parties there out mm-hmm. on the grounds, and they have these like little meadows that are back in the mm-hmm. woods. They'll set up with, with uh, chandeliers and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, formal table settings. So there's just a lot to, to Memphis. you got to get out and explore, and that's part of what this is all about is exploring your city. And uh, Backbeat Tours is a great way to do it, too, because they take you around, in addition just to telling you about the city, they play m- music from Memphis. Right. And so you actually, the, the guys that are on the tours, which I've always said that if, if I stop doing this, I'll start giving tours of Memphis because mm-hmm. I've been to crime and crime scenes everywhere in this city. <laughs> I can tell you who got shot there, what house burned down over there, and where the good gardens are. So, right. Well, ladies, have a, I hope you have a great, uh, I'll be mentioning it again as we get closer to this weekend. And uh, but it all starts uh, this this is Thursdays through Sundays uh, and through July the second, but only Thursdays through Sundays. So don't show up at these places. And, uh, and may I mention that one ticket gets you into all two hundred and seven gardens uh, in all the neighborhoods. Just don't lose your ticket. Yes, 
Well, it's on your phone. You're good. You're good. <laughs> if you can figure out how to use your phone. All right. Well, ladies, thank you very much for coming in. Sharon and Kim, uh, have a great garden walk, and I think it's going to be the best ever. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back. I was escorting the ladies out of the building. Uh, but do check out the largest garden walk in the South. Six weeks of gardens, over 150 gardens uh, throughout the city, and they'll have maps available. Uh, and you can find out more about it by going to experiencememphisgardens.org. And uh, you can find out all about it and where it starts. And, and uh, go check it out because it's, uh, it's a cool thing. And anybody that gardens, I, I'm convinced, are good people that, that love flowers and plants and, uh, and being outside. And uh, it's, uh, to me, being outside is the best place to be anytime. I'm always outside. And so is uh, my next guest, who's his favorite thing to do, is to be outside doing photography. And he takes a lot of great shots. Uh, Jim Elliott, who's up in Connecticut, we're just talking about the big garden walk that's going to start um, this weekend, Jim. And uh, yeah, it started out uh, about 16 years ago, just the Cooper Young area, uh, and now it's going to be over 150 homes uh, throughout the uh, Midtown, East Memphis, uh, Evergreen, all kinds of places. So that's, that's very cool. It is cool. Plus, you get to go in people's backyards, you know, and <laughs> it, it was like my. I'm always- I'm always interested in going in people's backyards. <laughs> Except usually it, 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 we were there because somebody was running for the law and we were behind them, you know. And so yep. you go, look at this backyard. This is really cool. I have to come back when they catch the bad guy. But uh, the uh, it's like that came up with this idea for a, a TV show called Great American Ranchers because if you know people that own a ranch, you get to go see it. But ranchers don't just let people drop in and say, hi, can I take a look at your ranch? And so I thought, what a great idea for a show. And so the the Discovery Channel, they didn't even change the name of it. They stole my whole idea. <laughs> Called it Great American Ranches. It airs today. But yeah. they did they did do it the way I wanted to go and and actually talk to the people who lived and worked on the ranches. They take me to your yeah. favorite places and show me what your favorite things to do. Their idea was it was like cribs except ranches. This log yeah. cabin high of the mountains of Montana. And there's some guy <laughs> from New York voicing over the thing. So it was horrible. Right. Anyway, uh, a lot's going on in the world. They just came back with the Durham report. I don't know if you heard that. This is three years. Yeah. And, and they came up and they said, yep, everything Trump said was true. It was all fake. Uh, the FBI should have never gotten a possible uh, uh, investigation or uh, be able to investigate him. Uh, and they made it all up and Hillary paid for it. But we're not going to charge anybody with anything. They got charged like three people who are like super minor characters. And the thing is, I thought John Durham was going to be this hard-nosed prosecutor yeah. who believed in the law. But to write a statement like, failed to uphold their mission of strict fidelity to the law, well, what corruption has not happened in America <laughs> where that's not true? 
<laughs> I mean, that's the worst you can possibly do. You're a law enforcement officer. And you didn't uphold the law. You didn't. And he so recommended. Basically, he just said that everything's corrupt. Yeah. Based on evidence gathered by multiple exhausted and costly federal investigation of these matters, yep. it appears to that to that that the uh, that the U.S. law enforcement nor intelligence communities appear to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion <laughs> in their holdings at the commit. It's just unbelievable. And you know what? The the mainstream media. You know, the people that are, are our guardians, yeah. they won't cover this. No. They'll blow the whole thing off. I mean, this makes me so angry. If there's not two systems of justice in the United States, I then I don't know what there it, is. It is absolutely so corrupt. And it's just like when the when they came out with the, the uh, report the other day on the Biden family, and uh, they said that, you know, nine members of the Biden family had uh, received checks on this is banking records. <clears throat> and they're saying, well, we don't know uh, what they did for the money yet. We, we, although they can show that they had meetings with these different people in different countries. And then all of a sudden the money would come in from that country. And, to, and to, they, they've, they've published the reports of what's been said 10 different times. And every time it keeps getting closer and closer and closer to corruption at the highest offices and they just won't get there they they're like well the republicans really didn't come up with anything and it's true i mean as far as bribery it looks like it's bribery but they haven't gotten to the point yet that there's any actual crime committed but i think that as they well i mean they're just they're just finding out about all this stuff well, and you know, but the fact that the media would say, "No, there's nothing to this," and, that, and that's that exactly is itself. it is. And that's exactly what's happening. Yep. The media did not cover their news conference last week. Uh, it was just Fox News and I think Newsmax. Yep. <clears throat> there were some other reporters there, but nobody had carried it live except Fox and Newsmax. And then after it was over, they said they came up with no uh, no new evidence of any any right. wrongdoing. There's nothing to see here. We investigated ourselves, and we decided that we did nothing wrong. So it is, uh, and you sit there and you you go, you think back to in the day, and I used to think that in a way, like during World War II, all the media was totally, it was all pro-American. Uh, Everything that we did, uh, they never reported anything negative. Well, they did. Because George Patton, they, they gave him hell because he gave them hell. <laughs> and uh, so they wrote some bad stories about George Patton and slapping the soldier and politicized that and all. But for the most part, uh, it was all always, you know, and same thing with presidents. They never wrote anything bad about a president. No. And Donald they protected him. You know, they liked him. He was a four-term president. Nobody else is, you know, they, they even changed the ability to run more than you know, two times that guy was so popular, but at the same time, they knew he had a mistress. They knew he was in a wheelchair. It was not good for the war effort. So they didn't cover any of that. In stuff. fact, they never took pictures of him in his wheelchair. Nope. They, they waited until nope. he got up and stood up. Matter on fact, the they just put a statue, well, not just, but 10 years ago, they put a statue on Long Island of, of FDR and they put him in a wheelchair and all these people got really angry because it made him look like he was a uh, invalid. You know, yeah, he was. <laughs> Exactly, and they should be proud of. It. I mean, today they would they would they would put gold leaf on it and put it on the you know but on he, a a plinth right there in front of the uh, town hall. Well, here's the thing: is that the media just does not do its job anymore, and 
I thank God when we started out, they were still doing their job. And uh, Watergate was a good example. I mean, they went up and they were stonewalled and they never gave up. And uh, they had uh, uh, the fact that I was watching a, a replay of that the other day, and they were showed uh, in the deep throat in the parking garage talking to uh, Robert Redford. And I went, well, I know who Deep Throat is. It's Hal Holbrook. There you can see his face right there. <laughs> yeah. No big mystery here. Sure. But, but look, Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but look what they did then. And, and they said, we've got to make sure this is right. Cause if it's not, it's going to be the end of the Washington Post. But then since then, I mean, I had the Washington Post do a, a, a scaling uh, thing on me it, it, when I was in uh, Virginia doing a thing on focus groups for the PR firm I worked for. And this guy with the Washington Post said, can I do a little feature on that? I said, as long as you don't mention the client or the product, because, you know, that's our customer. So he didn't. He, did, he mentioned me and said I was a hotshot PR guy from Memphis with suspenders and tassels on his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that writes you off as a, a slimy yuppie. Oh, gosh. He was like, you know, how so much slimier could I get? We got all this stuff that said I'd set back focus groups 30 years and all. And I went in and apologized to Lost Walker, who I was working for, and he said, nah, don't worry about it. He said, they did a hatchet job of me once. It lasts for about a week, and then they, they go out and barbecue somebody else, and they forget yeah, everybody they forgets them. to get well, all look about at, it. Look, all right, so two of the great uh, uh, you know, icons of journalism is Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. Yep. They broke that story. They, they're they played by Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford in the movies, and Carl Bernstein's on the TV in the last few years saying that he's got incontrovertible evidence that the Russians um, colluded with the president of the United States. Yeah, but he can't uh, prove uh, it either. candidate to create treason. I mean, that is a capital offense. They could have executed Trump for doing something like that. So this guy gets, you know... We got, a, we got a hard break, Jim. We'll be coming right back. Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much, and welcome back. Uh, with the, On the phone right now, Jim Elliott. He's in Connecticut. Uh, we were talking about Woodward and Bernstein, who at one time were like the epitome of investigative reporters. And then uh, Bernstein and Woodward, I don't know what happened to, but uh, Bernstein has written a number of books. And for some reason, he just really has it in for uh, President Trump and uh, came out and said everything that he was should be hung for treason and everything he wrote and said he had, you know, totally uh, verifiable evidence that he had done all these things. And none of it was true. And nothing happens nope. to the guy. No, and he never he never brought the evidence forth you know, forward. He never did because he didn't have anything. And now Durham has done this investigation and it's proven there's nothing to it. And Mueller did an investigation. And even though he came up with 10 reasons that Trump did guilty stuff, there was nothing in there. The 10 reasons were, oh, he said he was going to fire somebody, but he didn't do it. And yeah. when the, and then when they finally impeached Trump, they didn't use one suggestion from the Mueller investigation. So there was nothing to that either. <laughs> no. So, I mean, this destroys your faith in any kind of ability of the of, of politics not to be involved in almost any decision that's going on. It, it, and it's, it's beyond ridiculous. And anybody that sits there, in fact, I heard them say on uh, Fox this afternoon, they asked the, this guy they were talking to, they said, when the Durham report came out, they said, if, if you reverse the names of all this, and even the, the Biden family investigation, if you were to say 
that nine members of the of the Trump uh, family had received ten million dollars from all these foreign countries while the president was the president because this all happened when the vice president, uh, who is now the president, was the vice president. And they know the money came into those accounts and went through 11 different corporations and distributed to all these family members. If it was the, the every, every news outlet from here to Bangkok would be on it. And then yet they do it and there goes nothing to see here. Yep. Yep. No, it's, it's really destroying my faith in, in all the establishment uh, authorities. It really is. I mean, you can't trust anyone anymore, no. which is fine. I should have been there when I was 30. You know, but it took me a long time to realize uh, that there's that you, a unit party. Yeah. You can't trust them. And the thing no, is, you, can't. Uh, you look at what's going on now with the southern border. I mean, they're sitting there telling us to our face at every news conference yep. from the White House yep. that it's all under control. The border's closed. They're not getting through. And yet right. buses are leaving there. They're going across the border and picking people up and taking them across the border. They're actually importing illegal aliens on buses from this country into the country and they're hiding the media even the, the most of the media is not even there but the media that is trying to cover it they're keeping it from them yep absolutely they they're feeding you a disinformation campaign these are the people that wanted to start the ministry of truth you know to, yeah. to uh, <laughs> stop disinformation and yet it, we get nothing but propaganda and you're not really sure why is it they're bringing all these people in it's not for asylum they interview these people. Two of them that I heard interviewed the other day, they were supermarket managers in in down in Central America. There's people coming in from all over the world. the 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 word has gone out. The border's open. You better come right now. Yeah. And they're not doing anything to stop it. As a matter of fact, they're facilitating. They are facilitating. While they're lying to us, saying that they don't, you know, that well, they listen. Biden's on vacation at Rehoboth Beach. They stopped him today on his bicycle. And when they asked him about the border, he said, oh, it's not nearly as bad as you, the press. He laughed. Was. Yeah. 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 Like, and I guess said, y'all are no, pretty I, disappointed. I, yeah. I'll just, I'll be in the way if I go down to the border. It's like, yeah, I guess he'll yeah, they, go right after he goes to East Palestine. Yeah. They asked him, he said, are you going to go to the border? He didn't say, he didn't come up with some different, he just said, no, no, but I'm not I, going. He said, I don't want to get in the way. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, the president is an, is a force. And an image for the country. You know, he's the leader. If so he, when the leader says, I don't know anything about it, he sounds like Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Hill. I know nothing. Well, yep. the thing is, if he goes down there and actually goes and looks at what's going on, then the rest of the media will have to go with him because of the press pool. And well, then they will have to see what's going on, and they don't want to see what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. They're all, they're all working together. And listen, I don't even consider, I've never registered with a political party. I'm, I used to be a Democrat. I have voted Republican. I, you know, I'm I'm all over the map. I'm trying to be a fair person. I I'm, I don't dig any of this stuff that's going on. They threw me out of the party. They left me. <laughs> I was I was left of center. They pulled the left so far out that they made me right of center. I didn't even I didn't even, I didn't do a damn thing. That's what Robert Kennedy Jr. said. He said I didn't leave the Democratic Party. They left me. They went yep. off and did this huge left-wing communist party and well, they, got so, they got so loony you just you if you were an actual adult and listen to what your parents told you when you were growing up and believed in the country that's not what this party stands for no. anymore they're no. on an agenda to do their own thing and they're doing it for their own power 
So, no, they don't, they're not looking out for the little guy. When I grew up, the Democrat Party was the party of the little guy. That's but easy. now they don't want the little guy. They want the guy who's in some kind of a tribe that they can, well, they just, you know, what they want. What they want are 10 million people voting Democrat well, who, that's are, true. who they're letting in to totally, if, if all 10 million get in, then Democrats will be in office forever. It'll be a one-party system. The media will be there to ensure it. And uh, if something isn't done in this next election to stop it, it's pretty much over. Well, you know, it's just like the reason we have um, the whole way the system's set up with the con- you know, Constitutional Congress. I mean, if we just have democracy, they said democracy are two wolves asking a sheep what's for dinner. Because, <laughs> I mean, L.A. County is as big as 22 of the states. Yeah. If they, you go to just nothing but democracy, it, you know, as a popular vote, then, you know, most of the states will never see a presidential candidate again. They won't care. No, in what, just about like Iowa. Vote. Now, uh, Biden says, I'm not going to Iowa. Why should I go yeah. to Iowa? And he's not going to debate. He's not going to debate. And so uh, you go, well. And he's just the guy that's the the front man. Well, uh, and then they just, I saw this just cleared a minute ago, which I think you'll think is interesting, that chocolate milk, they want to take chocolate milk out of schools (laughs) because uh, it's it's added sugar and it's helping uh, cause obesity in children. And the milk lobby came back and said, if they don't drink chocolate milk and, and just drink plain milk, a lot of kids will never drink milk again and they won't get any of the nutrients that are actually in chocolate milk. I mean, when we were kids, we all drank chocolate milk at school. Yep. And none of us were obese, but the the problem is not the food or the chocolate milk at school. It's all the other stuff that they eat after mommy and daddy. It's the the processed food that we're eating. It's so full of carbs that we're all blowing up because we're getting so much, well, carbs when they go into your body, carbohydrates turn into sugar. All right. So I'm personally, I'm a diabetic. So I've, I've done a lot of look, you know, research on this and my body doesn't tolerate carbs. And listen, when I stop eating carbs and just walk up the damn hill and come back, <laughs> my blood sugar goes to normal. I've figured out a way to beat diabetes. And my doctor said, look, you keep this up. We'll take you off all your prescription Good. medicine. Good for you. Well, and it is because what diabetes is, is your body can't uh, process the sugar that it's coming into it. Right. And the carbs are turning into sugar and, it, and, and that turns into fat. And the first thing your body does is wants to burn the sugar first before it starts burning the fat. Yep. So, and so it's always constantly burning the new sugar and leaving the fat alone, which is where everybody gets the, the, the love handles and the belly fat. Yeah, and, we're uh, to be huge. 30% of, the, of our country is now obese. You know, I saw a video the other day, a colorized video of people walking down the street in Manhattan from 1930. There were no fat people there at all. No. In fact, you think when we were growing up, I was in Texas, you were in West Memphis, and you look at our class photos, there were no overweight children, not the teachers, no. not any of the kids, nobody. No. So it's been, it's, occasionally, you would, you'd find a fat person, and they might have, my guidance counselor was a big fat person. He used to laugh about his weight all the time but it was because he was unique yeah i mean and he may have had a i don't know a thyroid glandular maybe he just ate too much (laughs) it's a possibility (laughs) we're talking with jim elliott in Connecticut. we got to take a break but i first want to tell you about there is a stalled disabled vehicle in the right hand lane on the hernando de soto bridge just right out in the middle of the river great place to have that happen uh there's also a um uh disabled 
240 East there near Perkins, and then there's a wreck. It's up by Canada Road in the eastbound lane on I-40. So keep that in mind on your uh, commute home. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back and uh, talk with Jim Elliott some more about the stuff we're not going to stand for anymore. We'll be back. And welcome back. We got Jim Elliott on the line. Uh, he's up in Connecticut. Uh, formerly uh, worked at Channel 3, WREG, with me for a number of years. And uh, the thing I want to talk about now is Elon Musk, uh, who Jim is a huge fan of. He's also an investor in his company, Tesla. And uh, also his company now, uh, Twitter, which he just hired a new person at Twitter, this woman who had uh, formerly uh, been with, who was the company she was with uh, prior to NBC the, Universal. Universal, that's right. And she was uh, evidently a marketing genius. And a lot of people are concerned that she's also part of this new corporate woke thing that's going around and that she'll come in and try to uh, make uh, Twitter another censor uh, mobile. Uh, but I think, and I talked to Jim earlier, I think he's right. I think uh, Tusk knows exactly what she's good at, and that's marketing and, and getting advertising dollars in. That's why he hired her. Yeah, yeah. He, she she brought in like $100 billion, you know, especially to Peacock, NBC's streaming service. So she's very good at that. But she, and she was working at NBC. So she's said many things that are uh, contrary to, you know, open uh, what you would think is open free speech. But Musk has just he's talked for so many years about how important this is to him. I, I just don't think this woman's going to be able to come in and tell the engineering department, we're going to put shadow banning back. We're going to be, you know, throwing people off the platform. I don't think I don't think Musk will stand for it. I don't think he will. I don't I, think he's selling out. I don't think he will either. And, I, and, and until you've had it happen to you and I've owned restaurants and businesses and it's amazing how many times you hire people and they get in the door because they tell a good story and they get in there and they say, this is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and this. Then you have to constantly watch them because they end up building their own little fiefdoms mm-hmm. and they, and which is, I think was what happened with a, a number of these uh, social media companies. And then they end up being taken over by the people who are really the worst people that could possibly be the ones to take over. But those are the ones they want to take over the rest of them say, let's just make a good product and, and let the, let it happen. And it's the people that, uh, it's some same people who want to be dictators and take over countries, the same principle. Yep. And you know, she's, she's, uh, been a proponent of the, of the WEF, you know, uh, which is the world economic forum. And, uh, also the ESG, which is environmental, social, and corporate governance. So that's a way of keeping corporations in line and making them fall into, you know, uh, for a better term, woke, woke philosophies. You know, Tesla got an ESG score of something like 35 because they don't like him. They don't, yeah, they, he well, doesn't play he, it along. Play their, yeah, he won't play their game, so they do not like him. Whereas Exxon, who is everything that they hate, you know, in this petrol company, they... They uh, they have a really high ESG rating, so you know when when someone like Anheuser Busch hires this woman, her her job is to raise their their um, ESG level so that they will be acceptable to all the investors and things. This is all part of money. The whole ESG rating is not you know are you wearing a badge that shows us that you're really. It's all based on money and investment. 
It's yep. a way of controlling companies through the money. Yep. Uh, did you hear today Miller Lite has come out with an ad yes. campaign? It's especially after the, the Bud Light disaster. Now they it's came out with this thing where this girl's talking about how it was the women who first started brewing beer. Yeah, which I don't even believe. I think that the monasteries, the the uh, the monks did, and as I recall, started. Yeah, the nuns, the nuns didn't make any beer, and they didn't even make wine. It was the monks that made the wine and the beer. They were probably pissed at the monks. <laughs> yeah, and they wanted to make the wine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But so, the, the 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 whole thing is, I mean, why would who? How did? You let these people in, and and after the last debacle, they sit in some boardroom and go, "Okay, we you ready to go ahead and roll this new ad campaign out where we're talking about how women shouldn't you, you when you think of beer, you shouldn't be thinking about women in bikinis." And then they yeah. you, you use a four letter word throughout the entire spot, talking about. I guess they're only going to run it on on the internet because you can't run any of that on broadcast. No. No, they use a bad word there, and they and they go out of their way to use it so that it'll appear to be, you know appeal to people who have yeah. a yeah, yeah a they, conventional uh, sense of sensibility. <laughs> yeah, that rough cra- that rough crowd out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but, it, know, they're they're trying to appeal to to people who are not. I mean, how many women are beer drinkers? They're not beer drinkers. Why no. are you focused I, on women I, as your customers? I don't know why they think they're going to get them. I mean, I, I mean, in college, everybody drank beer because we had no money, and that's all we could afford. And so, yeah. you know, and but as soon as you got away from that scene, there I don't know any women that did say, "Hey, how about a cold beer?" Except for women who have, who have money, they they're middle class, upper middle class. They're sitting there having drinking together, eating China, you know cheese and salads and they're drinking wine exactly like wine men like beer yeah and then the uh who was the the uh oh i'm trying to think of the name of the oh the one the trump called her pocahontas the senator from that said uh, that elizabeth war was in the kitchen with her husband she goes hey bob you want to have a beer <laughs> yeah exactly. and that's just as fake as what this is Absolutely. i mean nobody believed that no, and that's that's another thing. I mean, it's just it's just amazing how everything is just like, well, just put this image out there and everybody will buy it, and it's just not working anymore. Well, it's because used to they could manipulate us because we're sitting there going, what's what's this about? I don't understand this. Now, the well, minute you see it, we, we you reject it because you go, I know what they're trying to do, and I'm not well, buying. We've got so many more. We're all older now, and we have many more sources of information now. That's why I'm. They get so upset when someone comes along and they start posting stuff that that they declare, you know, they class as disinformation or misinformation. We have to stop this. We can't let, you know, people because people are going to die if they listen to this stuff. I mean, come on, they just make it this dire, uh, you know, um, way of of putting something forward so that their reaction will be, oh, it'll be better if we just don't let people talk about this. Well. Today, yeah, uh, we're, we're Americans, we're supposed to believe in an, <laughs> an exchange of ideas. Exactly. John Kerry came out today and said they finally figured out the real, the real problem with the, the carbon footprint, and that's American farmers. <laughs> they're well, the they're pro- doing that. Have you been, have you seen what they're doing in the Netherlands? Yeah, they they've, they've confiscated all the private yeah, farms, and they're going to pay them as much as one hundred and twenty. Uh, percent of their farm, but once you take the money, you cannot start another farm in ever, ever, you country. 
So Jim, you have to move to Canada. That's it, Jim. We're out of time. Thank you, sir. Right. Uh, we'll My talk again next week. Uh, that's it that's for us, good. and we'll see you tomorrow.